Welcome to the Golf Central Podcast presented by Callaway Golf. Phil Mickelson closed out his second win of 2021 with a new Callaway Apex Utility Wood in the bag. Lefty has been using the club since late June, and he recently said that it's an exceptional option for him because it gives him a consistent apex and a constant spin rate with different lies. The Apex UW is already off to a strong start on tour for players like Bill, Adam Hadwin, Kevin Kisner, and many more. It's built for tour-level versatility and power, and it's designed for better players who want to do go-to club in their bag. For more on Apex UW, visit CallawayGolf.com. Speaking of Phil, this is a perfect transition lab. Welcome. Welcome. Haven't seen you in a week. But speaking of Phil, perfect transition. He is now three for four in his PGA Tour Champions debut. I just want to get straight to the question because we do have a lot to cover this week. Can you imagine a scenario where Phil actually has a better Champions Tour resume than he does a PGA Tour resume? It depends if Phil wants to go all in on the PGA Tour Champions. And that was a perfectly uh, rehearsed ad read. Well well done, uh, except for you bungling the end there. Uh, but but I, I, I wrote actually... I can do it again. No, we're not, we're not going to do it again. Uh, I wrote on GolfShell.com... Uh, on Monday that Phil could be the senior goat, but only if he wants to. And, and the reason I wrote that is because he's, he's kind of stuck in this strange limbo Rex and it sounds absolutely bizarre to say, but his history making win at the PGA championship actually kind of prolonged what seems like this weird type of limbo. Like he's not, consistently competitive against the young players in the PGA tour. I think that's obvious. He has, besides the PGA championship, which was obviously a very big one. Uh, he has just a single top 20 finish over his past 16 months. I mean, he is, he is not consistently competitive on the PGA tour. And I don't see that ending anytime soon. And yet I don't think he's necessarily thrilled by the PGA tour champions. I, I don't think that's necessarily getting his juices flowing. Um, Obviously, if he's batting 750, I don't think he necessarily feels like it's that great of a challenge. And so he finds himself in this odd spot stuck between two tours. But if he had not won at Kiowa, I think he would be more willing to go all in on the senior circuit because he just hasn't been able to, to produce the type of results he's used to on the PGA Tour. Do you, you agree with that assessment? No, I do, and it's worth leaning into just to sort of repeat, repeat your fact. Not only was the PGA Championship his one good week, it was his one good week by a mile. I mean, if you look at his results throughout the rest of the course of the season, Terrible. there was a tie for 17th at the WGC in Memphis, which is a limited field event. It's on a golf course that he has a lot of history and has a lot of success. That's his next best start. So you're right. Outside of this one outlier, which seemed to define his year, Great outlier. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I think I mean, it's a history-making him... outlier. It might yeah. never be topped. Like, it was an incredible capper to his career. But, no, I think you're right. Where I'm going to disagree with you a little bit is there is still something to be said for winning. Even if you're winning at a three out of four clip, which you're right, does make it sound easy and maybe you would lose interest. There is something about the rush of winning. I mean, I've talked to the guys who've made the transition from the PGA Tour to the PGA Tour champions, and you need the rush. I mean, it, it doesn't go away just because you happen to hit 50 years old. You still want to compete. You still want to give yourself an opportunity to win on Sunday. All the cliches that they've said their entire careers, you still want those things to happen. So I think this is feeding that side of Phil. I mean, within the last hour, I just received an email that Phil signed on to, to play the over 50 event in Virginia in just a few weeks. Defending champion there, yeah. But uh, so I think there is something that's going to motivate him 
to continue to compete. And if that's on the PGA Tour champions, he's going to turn to that. Now, where I see this particular scenario running into a wall is what we talked about last week. The TV booth is going to call him. We're going to see it in a few weeks during the match between he, I mean, when he's in the booth for Bryson and Brooks, I think that is going to give the world even more of a glimpse into he's going to be very, very good when you put a microphone in his hand. I mean, he has been his entire life. He's comfortable. He likes to talk. He likes to show people how smart he is. It's going to feed that part of his ego. So I kind of split my answer up into, into two answers. So for him to get the 45 victories on the PGA Tour champions, which is what he had in his tour career, he would have to maintain a level of focus and motivation over, I don't know, let's say a decade, maybe, maybe less than that. I don't know, whatever his winning clip would be. If you, if you add the winning clip up now, it would be for years or whatever the case may be. I don't think he does that. What I think is it within his sights, though, I could see him winning six or more senior majors. Uh, I can certainly see that. I, I mean, I would honestly, I would love to see him dedicate himself full time to the senior tour. I'm not sure it's necessarily going to happen. And like I said, the PGA victory kind of prolonged the sense in his own mind that, hey, I, I, I just did it once. What's keeping me from doing it, doing it again? And if you listen to him Sunday night at Keogh Island, he's he thought that he'd actually tapped into something. Like he, he said that he had better focus there than he had in years. He knew that he was on the right track with his nutrition and his fitness, and he felt as good as he had, and he had been working on his swing speed. I mean, all these certain things coalesced in one magical week, and it actually led him to believe that this was possible to do over and over again. So now he's going to be – I think he has lifetime status in the PGA Tour, but he's exempt on tour through, I think – He's least, a lifetime Yeah. But like, no, he's got 20 is, wins, so that's a lifetime yeah. member. Right. Okay. So he can, he can play on the PJ tour full time as much as he wants. Does he really want to do that if he's missing cuts or finishing outside the top 50? Probably not. And so I think he should go all in Rex on the senior tour. He has never been world number one. He's never won a FedEx cup. He's never been named player of the year forever. He was in Tiger Woods's immense shadow. This is an opportunity for him to not be second anymore. It is the opportunity for him to be the undisputed goat of over 50 golf 45 wins is the record uh on the pj tour champion set by hale Irwin. that would seem to be in reach 11 senior majors by bernhard langer that would seem to be in reach if phil wants to and i'd love to see him just go after it play a full schedule and just absolutely dominate i think that could do a lot for um the spotlight and the attention that pj tour champions um warrants and i think it could be kind of a, a neat little cap to his career if, if he was really able to establish himself as basically the, having the best longevity in golf history. I mean, he's been, Phil's been an incredible player for 40 years already. Uh, and to be able to do it into his 50s, maybe even his 60s would, would, be, would be really cool. All right, we're going to go tempo, tempo, tempo here. I'm going to give you the last word on that one. You mentioned Tiger Woods, and, and I was thrown – over the weekend, when a picture of Tiger Woods leaning on a club, not swinging the club, not holding the club in any way that would suggest he's preparing to swing the club, but leaning just on picture, it like he was just waiting out his, his, like he was, practice, yes. his, his playing partner to, to, to make his 10-footer. He looked like a swing coach standing behind Charlie at, at the event. I mean, it's what he really looked like. I mean, let's face it. He looked very much like the world's best swing coach, if you want to put that on him. But just a picture of the world's 320th ranked player, and it threatened to break the internet. When, whatever it is we saw in that picture, what's your immediate takeaway? So it wasn't just a picture. I know you're not uh, deep on the internet, Rex, but there was a video that was obtained by TMZ that showed I, him I walking. I saw the video. 
Yeah, it showed him walking. There was also a, a, a snap of him with, with uh, Mike Thomas, Justin Thomas's uh, dad and swing coach, which was actually great to see both of them uh, out there. Mike Thomas had a recent health scare that kept him um, away from the Ryder Cup. Uh, this was great to see. It's, it's actually incredible how few images we have had of Tiger since his car crash in February. He is the world's most famous golfer, certainly, um, and one of the most famous people, period. And yet he has been virtually MIA uh, from public life, which has been uh, shocking. It was great to see there were no, there's no crutches in sight. There's no cane in sight that he still has the sleeve uh, over his injured leg. This does not mean that he's going to win the masters. Um, but seeing him walk, even if for just a second or two, um, certainly led me to believe that some significant progress has been made. And I think that's a good thing, whether that means he's going to play next year. I have no idea. It's too early to speculate, but it was certainly it's great to see that he's able to live a, a normal life for now, at least. And by comparison to your point, I think the last picture that anyone we had seen was of him actually riding in a golf cart at one of Charlie's junior tournaments. And that was, that's been a few months ago now. So if you sort of compare and con- contrast where he seemed to be in that video, in that picture, and you're right talking with Mike Thomas, it, it is encouraging. Again, I don't expect to see him. You, you mentioned the masters. I don't know that we see him on the golf course at all next year, right? Because I just don't, when you kind of look at everything he's been through physically and when I was doing the reporting on the crash in Los Angeles, this is something that just kept coming up when I would talk to medical people about this doctors and surgeons. And it's, it's not so much of what he's done to his body this time. And and by all accounts, it was a devastating and awful crash. And he, he did enormous damage to his body. It's more of where he was physically at the time of that accident. We knew he was already struggling with, with back issues, ongoing back issues. You could tell he was already slowed, you know, even at the beginning of last year or this year, he, that he wasn't in the best of shape. He has to start from scratch for that. Whenever it is, he gets past whatever happened in that car crash. So it, it is a mountain to climb. I'm still not hundred percent sure he wants to, I would never doubt that he can. I think when you talk about Tiger Woods doing amazing things and sort of overcoming physical obstacles, I'm going to pick him above all ounce. I just don't know if he wants to, this goes back to the Phil conversation. If he wants to, 46 victories on the PGA Tour champions? Yes, of course, Phil can. But at some point, motivation comes into this, and I just don't know what Tiger's motivation would be going forward at this point. Yeah, you make a great point. It, it wasn't just the fact that his leg needed to be put together and that actually his, his ankle is a bigger inhibitor to his potential future golf success than his, his, his fibula or his tibia, whatever he, he shattered there. It's, it's the ankle that's a big issue. But he... He was nowhere close to playing in February at, at the beginning of that because of his back. I, I mean, he's had so many issues. Like, his back was in terrible shape, and then he has a, a, a life-changing car crash like that. And so, yeah, walking a hole at a junior tournament, tournament is different than walking 72 holes in competition. It's different than walking 72 holes over the course of 15 to 18 tournament weeks. It's different uh, with the competition of swinging 110 miles an hour. Like, just because he's walking – does not mean he is going to play tournament golf uh, in the next 12 months. I think it's just encouraging that he's able to live his daily life. He's able to go be a part of his, his son's life. I'm sure he's uh, at daughter Sam's soccer games as well. We just don't have images of that. Like Just being able to, to spend time with his kids after what looked um, like an absolutely debilitating uh, car crash is, is a very good thing. Rex, there was a little bit of news that we can get into on this podcast. You, you broke the story. Uh, yesterday about a new bonus program 
for multimillionaires on the PGA Tour as if they needed any more money. Uh, get into that a little bit. What are, what are we going to see in 2022? Well, it was a twofold thing, and I was actually going to text you last night and ask you about this because it was a memo that was sent to players Monday morning by the PGA Tour, and it did outline this new bonus program, which is interesting to me because 15 events was always kind of the threshold that most players wanted to get to. Uh, essentially what this is, it, and it's called Play 15 Bonus, and if you, you get to 15 events, and those are only official events, they do count the Ryder Cup, the President's Cup, and the Olympics, but all the others are official events, you get a $50,000 bonus. Anyone on the PGA Tour will get a $50,000 bonus. It sounds like a lot of money. And in the, it sounds in the like a lot scheme. of money for you and me. That, that's basically yes. fueling up. That's fueling a private jet for 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 flying for the, to the uh, CJ Cup this week. It's not. I mean, one way trip. I don't even know if you can get, you can do it for fifty thousand to get to Vegas. I mean, that would be a one way trip probably to Atlanta from South Florida. In my mind, I, I guess the other part of this in the same memo would also talk about a, a dramatic purse increase for the Players Championship to twenty million dollar purse, which makes it by far the largest. Person golf right now. There's also. I mean, by far, it's not even close. By far, I think twelve five is what the U.S. Open was this year, and uh, I believe the Open Championship was right around that, around around twelve. It, it's not even a competition anymore. So I guess in my mind, and again, I was going to text you this that I was trying to, you know, how when we get these things, you start parsing exactly what the news was, and in my, I don't know, my my inside baseball kind of nerdy mind, it was it was this new bonus program, but then when I saw it aggregated. I saw that everyone leaned into the $20 million, but my part in that is the tour is always going to win that battle. They've proven that year in and year out, they're going to be the ones that stack enough money for everyone to stand on it at the players championship and look down at every other event. Cause that's what they want. That's their high ground. They know they don't have the fifth major, which is fine. They've stopped battling for that, but they want that pile of cash so you can have the high ground. So in my mind, I didn't lean into it as much as I probably should have, but it seems to me like it's it's obvious the players is always going to be this mega purse, is it not? I mean, we're talking about I think it's what three point six or three point seven million dollars to the winner of the players championship. Yeah, like it might not be it might not be the tournament that players uh, grew up wanting to win. It might not be the most prestigious title. It's certainly going to be the richest. Um, and you've talked about on this podcast numerous times that once this TV money kicks in. Uh, beginning basically in 2022, we're going to see a huge bump in all of these purses, probably not to the level that we've seen here for the, <laughs> the Players' Championship, a $20 million purse, but we are going to see a significant bump in these purses. And Rex, I want to put, I want to put this in perspective a little bit. Let's say it's, I think it's $3.6 million uh, for the first place. That's essentially two WGC titles. A, D, a WGC title is $1.8 million. A regular now. tour stop, yeah, a regular tour stop is somewhere around 1.4. So you're looking at almost three times what it earns to just win a regular PGA Tour title. That is absolutely ridiculous. The bump, the $5 million bump from $15 million to $20 million for the purse, $5 million, that is the total purse. That increase, just the increase alone, is the total purse for the LPGA CME Group Tour Championship. That's the LPGA's, basically, their tour championship, their FedEx Cup finale. $5 million is the total push for that. That is just the increase of the Players' Championship. Uh, it is certainly uh, tough to, to wrap your mind around. The second piece of news that came out on Tuesday morning, want to get your take on this. The RNA and the USGA have uh, put in the rules a local rule that will allow 
tournament organizers to reduce the maximum driver length from 48 inches to 46 inches. Now, keep in mind, very few PGA Tour players actually use a driver that is longer than 46 inches. You may recall Bryson Ashambo last year in the run-up to the 2020 Masters kind of experimenting with a 48-inch model. Uh, he, he did not end up putting that in play. And in fact, he uses a 45 and three quarter inch driver. Phil Mickelson is one of the few exceptions. He uses a 47 and a half inch driver. And if you recall on social media a couple months ago, he railed uh, against what were then just rumors of this proposal going official. Rex, reducing the driver length from 48 to 46 uh, needs, it's just a local rule for tournaments. Big deal or not a big deal? I don't think it's a big deal. And before we move on, I did want to point out when it came to the purses yesterday when I was doing that story. If you look on the PGA Tours website, all of the purses starting in January, other than the Century Tournament of Champions and now the Players' Championship, are TBD. And this goes back to a conversation that Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan had with players before the pandemic really halted things. At the beginning of 2020, they were at the Honda Classic. And I, I kind of got a copy of that speech. And essentially, it is, it's TV money. And so the, the bottomless pit that is now TV money for the PGA Tour, we're starting to see that come to fruition. And this, obviously, the players is going to be the crown jewel on that. But I think you're going to see these dramatic increases across the board for every tournament. And this is, this is where they're drawing the line in the sand with any potential competition or anything that might threaten the tour simply because they have a large sum of money now to pull from. And you're starting to see that that's for the driver length. I just don't think it's that big of a deal because as you pointed out, it's a local rule. The PGA tour doesn't have to do anything. And I bet if, we were sitting in Jay Monahan's office this morning when he got that same memo from the RNA and the USGA. He probably rolled his eyes and thought, well, yeah, we won't be having any part of that because he has a product that is all about entertainment and people love to see the Brysons and the Phils and the rest of them hit the ball a really long way. I can't imagine the PGA tour is going to be all in for this. That would be the bigger shock to me. Hasn't the MO of the PGA tour always been that they're just, they're just going to follow the rule of the governing bodies. That's what they if say it's a rule everything. of golf, no, absolutely. If it's a rule of golf, they're not fall, they're not coloring outside the lines. This is an option. This is a local rule, and there's plenty of op- there's plenty of situations where they're more than willing not to follow the local rules because that's what they're there for. They're they're there to give tournaments the option. I mean, just like they don't play lift clean in place mostly at the USGA Championship, USGA Championships, they're going to do it on the PGA Tour because they need to get the tournament done by at least Monday afternoon and move on to the next tournament. So it's just an example. I just don't see the PGA Tour leaning into this one. And I don't. And and I take the opposite view that I don't think the USGA and RNA would have done this if they didn't get assurances from not just the PGA Tour, but you have to think the PGA of America for the PGA Championship. You have to think of Augusta National for the Masters. You would certainly expect that at the U.S. Open and the Open Championship that they would adopt this local rule for those championships. So are you really going to have just two of? two of the 50-something tournaments that's played during a calendar year using this local rule and everyone else is using 47-and-a-half-inch drivers? There's no way. You, you would have I, to think You would have to think that to make this official, they got assurances from all of those other interested parties that, that this would be adopted. Perhaps, but this goes back to what the tour's white paper has been on this since the beginning, which they don't see distance as an issue. Tim Fincham before Jay Monahan drew that line, and, and Monahan has, has been along that line. You're right. I'm sure the USGA and RNA, and they made it clear in the press release that they sent out on Tuesday morning that this was a collaborated collaboration and that they had everyone in the room and everyone had input. 
However, in this particular case, again, I can't stress this enough, PGA Tour is about entertainment. And if you tell Jay and the PGA Tour, world, well, you have this option, it's a very easy, no thank you. You're more than welcome to do whatever you'd like at your championships, but we're good with ours. Thanks. I, I don't have again, a hard time seeing that. Again, I don't think... I mean, Phil, for sure, he uses a 47.5-inch driver. I'm not sure there's Harrington, another player on the PGA Tour. Padraig Harrington does. He, he, he's experimented with longer drivers for a long time, long before Bryson or, or Phil did. But, no, you're okay, right, not so many. I mean, I mean, Tiger never even came close to 46. I'm just thinking, like, Justin Thomas, not even close. I mean, the only players you could think of and where it gets a little fuzzy with this rule is what happens when, like, a six foot eight guy breaks out onto the PGA Tour like an absolutely mammoth of a man. And you're, you're regulating that his driver cannot be longer than 46 inches. Well, what if he needs it? What if, what if he needs it to get into the swing positions uh, that, that he needs? That is where I think this rule gets a little bit fuzzy. And Rex, you and I are both a big fan of uh, the new USJ CEO, uh, Mike Wan. You had the opportunity to play, what was it? The uh, US Open Media Day, uh, where you put Detroit on a dazzling Vines. display of, of short game I magic. Um, I loved the quote that he had in this press release that it was, quote, Admittedly, this is not the uh, subquote answer to the overall distance debate issue, but rather a simple option for competitive events. I just love that candor. I think Mike Juan is going to do uh, terrific things uh, for the USJ. Rex, moving on finally to this week's stop on the PGA Tour. We didn't even get into Sung JM uh, winning the first of the Vegas doubleheaders. Or uh, Sam Burns just, doing it again, the 13th or 14th guy on Stricker's roster. Almost he didn't, he didn't do it again. He shot the worst almost. score of anyone inside the top 40. But no, Sunday. almost doing it Sam, again. I mean, but Sam Burns, Sam Burns did not get it done. Uh, but but Sung J.M. did. Nine under 62 in the final round. Just boat raced everyone, including Matthew Wolf, my boy, uh, who finished boy. second. Uh, it was good to see Sung J.M. is still just 23 years old. That is younger than Hovland and Morikawa and Scheffler and Zalatoris, all these other players for whom we have placed so many expectations. Yet Seems Sung like he's been around for a long time continues to do it each and every year top 20 in the FedEx cup <laughs> every single season that he has been on the PGA tour, just incredible consistency. He certainly appears like he's going to continue that trend this week at the CJ cup uh, Rex. I think it's safe to say this is the last good field of the year. I mean, really, really good. It's essentially all of the Ryder cuppers on both the U S and the European side. You're going to be teeing up this week. We're talking about Rory. We're talking about speed. We're talking about JT uh, Brooks, uh, whole bunch of players. John Rahm actually staying over in Europe to play in Spain uh, for the second week in a row. Uh, kudos to him for supporting his home country in golf there. What are you most interested in seeing this week? Is it all those Ryder Cuppers who are getting it back? Is it going to see the Summit uh, for the very first time on national television? What is it? Uh, a couple things. Well, I think the field next week at the Zozo Championship is going to be pretty good, but you're right. This one's probably going to be the best of the fall. I'm, I'm actually surprised as many guys – are going over to Japan to play on that. But yeah, I mean, uh, after the performance that Dustin Johnson had at the Ryder Cup, and, and look, he's coming off of admittedly not his best season. I caught up yesterday with Butch Harmon just because this two-week stress stretch in Las Vegas has kind of become a combine for Butch and, and all these different players that either work with him now or have worked with him in the past. But DJ was one of the guys that stopped in. And, and Butch went on and on about how – there were certain things in his swing that simply hadn't been right for probably 16 months. And that now he feels much more comfortable. I'm curious. Uh, that was actually Jack. He's, he's chasing after Jack gets very excited because he sees things floating in the pool. You know what I mean? Like a, like a beach ball or what kind of thing blow up. Chain. 
like a beach ball or a blow up chair. Or frogs. I just assume. No, no, nothing frogs, alive. Birds. They're all inanimate objects. Then he gets excited and he thinks it's something swimming in the pool that he has to attack. And he doesn't move why the beach sure. ball doesn't run away from him. Anyway, uh, so DJ would be the one I want to watch this week. Which, what I find fascinating is neither one of you, neither one of us are really Vegas people, right? I've no. been there once. I don't know. Despise have you ever, the place. Have you yes. been there? Been, been once, zero desire to ever go back. Just, it is I, not, that is not my scene. It is, it's not my scene either, and we're probably in the minority, would be my guess on that one. I went we're, definitely, the, we're definitely in the minority. I, yeah, I went for one of those matches with, with, with Phil, and I just stayed for 24 hours. It was a very short window, and like I had no interest whatsoever in staying in it. But that being said, I, I am fascinated this week, and you, you brought up before when we were getting ready for this, that there, as the tour gets moves further and further into the betting realm, we got a taste of that last week. And as I was looking at the line on this week's event they have dj as the favorite and it seems to me like vegas usually gets this thing, this stuff right and i i don't know how comfortable i feel like would you put him ahead of xander or jt or jordan speed because he is um i mean coming off a perfect week at the Ryder cup a, a golf on, two course different that's, un- that's unfamiliar to basically everyone i would actually put colin morikawa this is his home golf course um we just we we had a college event on our air last week in Arkansas, and I kind of made the point during one of the shows like if the Razorbacks can't win this tournament on their home golf course, like they're not going to win, they're not going to win a tournament the rest of the year. Like if you can't do it on your home golf course, you can't do it. And so if Kyle Morikawa has this this enormous edge in terms of of home course advantage, yeah, like all these guys can figure it out. They have very sharp caddies. The yardage books these days are are very very good, uh, but. You would think Kyle Morikawa has just a slight edge this week. I would have made uh, him the him the favorite personally. I, I mean, I'm curious to see how Rory plays after such a disappointing week at Whistling Straits. Xander had a great week at Whistling Straits. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's a it's a it's a really good feel, but I would have personally given the edge to Kyle Morikawa. He was Rex uh, Morikawa's plus sixteen hundred. What does that mean? Show uh, show the show the people at home that you know what you're talking about. Uh, well, no, Morikawa is not plus sixteen hundred, and when I'm like, he's plus two thousand sixteen hundred, and the odds via DraftKings as of Monday morning. Thank no, you we, we we're we're a we're a points bet company. Odds, oh, okay. the odds via points bet are plus sixteen hundred. Uh, well, that's the bet, right? So that would be sixteen to one, essentially. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, you're betting like, if DJ's plus a thousand, he'd be ten to one. Yeah. So yeah, that's the works. Yeah. Do, do you understand how it seems, happens? Because you seem to course. have a hard time sometimes with. Are you sure? I mean, I don't. I don't particularly know how odds work, which is why I don't gamble. And so, so sixteen to like one Vegas. gets you what? So if you're right about your boy Morikawa being his home course, and you bet, I don't know, you being a big spender, let's say you bet ten dollars and he wins, you win how much? Hundred sixty. There you go. All right. So you see, yeah, you're, you're really good. I get it. it. You, I get it. You should. You should go to Vegas more. Is what you totally should do. I mean, all you're doing is basically just basing it off a hundred and then moving the decimal point. That's how. That's how that works, Rex. I'm sorry, I have to tell you. Uh, this type of thing uh but i do i do want to since it, since it is a since it is a vegas week i do want to get into this because gambling is is basically infiltrating our entire lives uh you can't turn without seeing an ad on television you can't uh see it you see it on the bottom ticker now you see it even on golf tournaments last there week is some the derision week. in your voice when you say that i mean it certainly feels a little slimy does it not like that our our beautiful game is being reduced to is this guy going to hit the green Plus thirteen hundred. I mean, uh, you have to admit it's a, it's a, 
it's a little weird. That it's might little, be the takes, golf snobbiest little... thing I think I've ever heard you say. No, no, it doesn't sound slimy. It sounds terrifying to me because if you look at how everything, every sport is turning more and more towards betting. And I guess the, the best example of this, there was a time not that long ago when ESPN was not allowed to talk about gambling at all. In, for whatever reason, maybe it's the Disney, you know, being a Disney company, whatever the case may be, there is not another company that has embraced gambling more than ESPN. And that's happened in a window that spans two years. Like we're not talking about a decade of change here. We're talking about it's been a rough 24 months for a lot of different businesses. And the way that they, they can make up that money is, oh, let's let them gamble. Now, my bigger concern, other than it ruining the purity of, of the game, and, and there are question marks to go along with that. We've, we've sort of seen how, how that has the possibility of playing out. But my bigger deal is like we said it at the top, like you and I aren't Vegas people, but there are a lot of Vegas people. And I'm using millions, that obviously millions and hundreds, hundreds of millions of Vegas people. In fact, and I'm using that kind of as a metaphor because there's a lot of money to be lost. And that's what scares me. Like I, I've never been in a position where I've ever had the, the resources to go out and put a couple grand on a golfer or a football game, whatever the case may be. But the idea that people do that terrifies me because only, and it's only by association because to me, that would be like a nightmare of the falling down a, a, you know, an elevator shaft with no bottom to it. I mean, that just scares me to death. Are you saying golf writers usually don't have the financial means to bet thousands of dollars on the results of, of, of contests or games or rounds? Are you, is that, is that, is that what you're suggesting? I'm, I'm suggesting that and I'm stating as a fact that I have seen multiple golf riders do that exact same thing. And I know that they do not have the means to oh, back that right. up. Yes. That's their mortgage. Their that's their, that's their mortgage for the month. And they are, they are, they're losing it. And it is, it is always great fun to see. I have to, I have to admit as someone who does not gamble, it is always great fun to see some, to see friends and sometimes even foes uh, lose all their money. The big issue that I have Rex is we know how televised golf works. It is largely on tape delay. Yes, we, they, they're, they're coming to you live with, with a lot of shots, but you got to keep in mind that there are hundreds of shots being hit at the exact same time, spread across dozens of acres at the exact same time. Like you can only have, you can only show one shot at a time. And so where, where this whole thing gets a little wishy-washy to me is how do you handle live odds with a sport that is not always televised live? And how do you kind of incorporate shot link, which as we know, has some, has some faults and there is some sort of inherent delay. I know you've, you've used the example one time of, of the bookie in, in England who was basically calling over to his friends because he knew that the shot link feed was going to be delayed and he could just make a killing that way, basically saying, hey, he, He's going to miss in the left rough, uh, you know, hammer it. That that's where it gets a little strange to me. Like it's not it's not a football game where every every play is being shown live. Like things are things are happening all at once, and it just it can't be shown all at once. Well, no, and, and you're right. I I think that was one of the original iterations was these bookies doing essentially Very live smart. play by play. Have, I yes. have to say that is that is genius. It, it was genius, and, and the person that pointed out to me is a, is a bit of a degenerate gambler himself. So you could see there was a, there was a level of oh wow, how come I didn't think of that in his voice when he was showing me? It wasn't he wasn't showing me to dime them out. It was 
look at what these geniuses have come up with. Why didn't I think of this? Why couldn't I have come around to this idea? Uh, to your point, it's, that's what Shotlink 2.0 is all about. I've, I've sat in meetings. I've sat in the trailer. They, the, the way it works now, and anybody that's been to a tour event in the last two or three years has probably seen around greens now, you have these three elevated cameras, essentially, that, that you, you'll see, and they're probably two stories in the air on these towers. And what they're doing is recording everything that happens, not just on the green, but they can also pick up action from the fairway. And there's algorithms and there's programs that have been written. And I've sat and watched it where they know exactly who hit this shot. They know where this shot ended up and they immediately go to the next shot. So there is a very real time element to that. To to your point, during a football game, no one sees a play 30 seconds before someone else, therefore having an advantage. This in the tour's mind is going to do away with that advantage. Now, from what I've been told, I think they needed to get it to 98, 99% accuracy. That there are going to be some mistakes. Nothing's going to be perfect. But that's, very, that's, very, a, that's a big deal. 98% when millions of dollars are being wagered is a big deal. Well, and last I heard, they were around 97%, 96%. Like they still had some work to be done. And, and that's been probably a year now. So my guess is they've come around a little bit. But as they get closer and closer, the end goal is to have something that's 99% that, yes, it's never going to be perfect. That way, no one has the head start. I mean, you can sit and stare at ShotLink if you'd like to, and a lot of people are probably going to end up doing that to try to get some sort of advantage. The tour also is trying their best to shy away from what they call these negative outcome bets, which would be, okay, Ryan Labner hit it in the left rough. Ryan Labner is going to make a bogey on 14. They don't want those types of bets. Their hands are tied in certain areas and on certain aspects. And they're trying to yeah, get away are you that. saying Are you saying they don't want that because that would potentially lead to fans heckling? It, it could. I mean, that's what everyone talks about, right? I think JT has spoken at length about this. I'm sure Bryson has thought about at length after everything he's been through this season as far as how fans can impact someone's play and someone's performance on the golf course. But, yes, and it came to me during the, the first playoff event in New Jersey at Liberty National because they had a huge sort of betting house set up right next to the 16th green, overlooking – the 16th green. And I'm, I went up and just to see it and watch for a little while. And it is ripe for the type of interaction between fans in the field of play that you absolutely don't want. So there, there are still some issues. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I'm probably going to recuse myself from the rest of this discussion just because I'm not uh, informed enough on the topic. And uh, quite frankly, there I can give you an idea about summit though. I, I can actually please went in, in into great please. depth. He, he feels like 20, 25 under. He said they're going to absolutely kill it. He said fairways are pretty wide open. They'll have to get the greens a little bit faster. But he goes, yeah, there's, there's nothing out there for a tour player to fear. Yeah, I mean, so, it's it's a 78-man field. There's there's no – Whatever cut. the over-under is, is, take the some over Some of the best That's of the best. There you go. Okay. Hammer there hammer go. the over uh, per Rex. Rex, any, anything else? You are, you and I are both uh, home this week. Are, are, you on the, are you on the road next week? Are you – is, is Japan next week or is Bermuda the next week? Japan is next week and then followed by Bermuda. I will be in Bermuda, which I'm looking forward to. Ever been, ever been there? I have. I covered a, a grand slam of golf a few years ago. Have you ever been to Bermuda? Sure. Have no. You? No, I haven't. Uh, well, you're not allowed it to looks, fly. It you're looks fantastic. It's beautiful, but you're not allowed to drive because – I don't not know allow, what, you, what do you mean you're not allowed to drive? Like you can't, I can't rent a car. Like if I'm, I'm, I'm flying there, I can't rent a car to do what we normally do when we go. You have to get a shuttle or take a taxi or whatever the case may be. And the idea is, and I don't know if this is the official line, but everyone who 
told me about it when I was there, it's because it's so dangerous to drive. Like, you know, they're very reckless drivers, apparently in Bermuda. And I've been there and I can attest to that. However, you can't rent a car, but you can rent a scooter for the week, which completely is counterintuitive in my mind, because I, I need a couple thousand pounds of metal around me as opposed to I'm just on a scooter. I have no chance whatsoever. Dangerous drivers in Bermuda. I think those fine government officials should should take a quick trip to Orlando uh, if, they, if they want to find some want to find some reckless drivers or or some hazardous road conditions. What's on the grill this week, Laugh? Uh, so I got to be honest with you, Rex. Oh I think I need to lose like five to ten pounds. I'm feeling a little bit feeling a little bit sluggish. Feeling a little bit worn down. What's your fighting weight? Uh, one seventy two. Okay. 172. Not bad. And, that, and, and you, that's what you are now, but you want to get down to 150. I want to say, I, no, I'd say one, 165. I want, to get, I want to get to 165. Just feel a little bit better, uh, sure. especially heading into the holiday season where I'm just going to absolutely gorge. And so it's going to be certainly light. Uh, I had some, had some salmon on the grill yesterday. We got to do some pork chops. I mean, it's not, I'm not doing full-fledged beef ribs like I would have won. I do have a, I do have a wedding on Saturday um, in Charleston. Um, so I'm kind of building up to that. Cause I know I'm just going to gorge and, and drink a lot of empty calories um, on Saturday. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of building up to that while trying to keep sugar and other various red meats away. How about you? Uh, that was very underwhelming. That will be our last what's on the grill with Ryan Labner for a while until I mean, as soon as, as soon as I get down to 165, we're going, we're going, we're going ham again. Uh, you, you let me know. Cause that's very, underwhelming. we're going, we're going to go ham, especially during the holiday season. You get yeah, that? Going to go ham. Uh, yeah, no, I totally got going to go ham. Absolutely. Uh, you know what I did? Uh, I, I actually did uh, pull pork last week and I was very proud of myself. So I think I'm going to rotate it. Pull out, bit. pull out the queen, the clean bone. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was magnificent. I loved every minute of it because hmm, now it, it, it's just easy. And it's gotten to the point in Florida where it's not a million degrees. So you're sitting on the porch all day watching football. It was, it was magical. There's if, nothing better than that. And if, if Rex, our, our friends at Shirley Fabrication are listening, uh, I have fallen in love with their new 24 by 36 patio model. I knew that I know they just moved into a new store. Uh, but if any uh, friends of the podcast at Shirley are listening, uh, I've been, di- I've been deep down, the Shirley Fabrication rabbit hole, uh, and, is, and I'm now very interested, and I'm now saving my shekels uh, in order to purchase uh, one of those because that would be a great what is on the grill. Uh, I can promise you for 2022, uh, Rex. That's all. Yeah. We really covered a lot of ground. We covered shameless. a lot of ground you in this shameless. podcast, from Phil to Tiger to, to Shirley Fabrication smokers. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll have a full recap of the CJ Cup. Look ahead to the Zozo and whatever else happens over the next seven days. Because that is what we do on the Golf Central Podcast, presented by Callaway Golf. Talk to you next time.